Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Hi, Suzanne. It's great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Thank you, Victoria. I'm excited to be back. I am fabulous. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. For anyone who doesn't know, Suzanne is a NOPE coach who has helped hundreds of women through her Why Wait program. And that's what we're going to chat about today, moving from one-to-one coaching to a program. If I could start by asking you, how did you come to be a NOPE coach? That's such a great question. I still laugh when people ask me that. It's like, it's my mum vibe. No, seriously. (laughs) Because a lot of people, it's funny, they're like, I don't know how to say no. And I'm like, are you a parent? It's like, uh uh-huh. It's like, well, you do have that skill in one area of your life. It's just about massaging it. That's so true. (laughs) And transferring it into other areas. So basically, I, I... I truly believe that saying we teach what we most need to know or we teach what we most need to learn so that we can learn it. So the people that we admire who do something that we long for usually are passionate about it because it's been an area of struggle for them. For them, And so people are like, oh, you just have really good boundaries. It's like, yeah, coming from having really poor okay. <laughs> boundaries. So, yeah, I, I realised... In so many areas of my life, I was saying yes to keep the peace or saying yes out of a sense of obligation or saying yes to be polite, but I was kind of miserable inside. Like on the outside, it looks great and whatever, but inside it's like, oh, can you just not? (laughs) But once like I realized life's not a court of law, just because I've said yes before doesn't mean I've set a precedent forevermore. And often there isn't as much of a pushback as we imagine there'll be. If someone's like, hey, can you do this? And you say no or not today or I'd love to, but I have something else on. Like honest. I think I think the reason many of us struggle with saying no is because in so many areas of our lives, we'd, we'd rather be polite. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got a headache. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, you know, something's come up. And I had a client yesterday, they sent me a message. I then turned it into an email because I loved it. It's like, I wish I had better excuse, but um, it's just poor planning. So I can't make the session today. And I was like, I loved that. I loved it so much because from that level of honesty, I was like, this is brilliant. We can coach on this if you want. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, being honest with people, I don't want to, I'm not interested. I can't today. And from that place, we foster deeper relationships than when we give some surface level excuse that we all know underneath isn't true. Yeah. So basically it came from a long line of being the yes doormat people pleaser to being like, yeah, this doesn't work for me anymore. (laughs) I can see how that arises. (laughs) So how long have you been running a program for? Oh, that's a great question. I started it in... January 2019, 2019, 2021, 2022. This is the fourth year. will be f- coming up five years in January, be starting the fifth year. Wow. Okay. That's a long time. I didn't realize you'd be going for that long. Do you do one-to-one work still or do you just focus on your program? I do some one-to-one work, not a lot. 
I have five one-to-one clients at any time. And otherwise the majority of my focus is my program. And as my program grows, then I'll drop those one-to-one clients off and purely focus on the program. Okay. What was it that made you want to start a program? I love that question because I didn't. Uh, I am a... I'm an introvert. I am shy. I'm socially awkward, which people always raise an eyebrow. I was like, you, Are you kidding? And I'm like, why do you guys think I work online and do podcasts where I speak to one person, one I can handle a room full, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I run a group program. The irony is not lost. Um, so anyway, what happened was I was full one-to-one. I was fully booked. Actually, I was beyond booked. And for anybody listening who is a coach, it's you never really know how much fully booked is until you are like, and it also depends. Well, I find some clients are, I I don't want to use the term needy. I'm thinking time, like sometimes, you know, what people have going on and what they're going through and what you're supportive. So basically I thought 20 would be fully booked, but at 17, I was at capacity. I couldn't take any more one-to-one clients. Oh my gosh. that's Yeah. (laughs) So my business coach at the time was like, okay, it's time for a program. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And we kind of discussed it back and forth. So we agreed that I'd do a beta, like, so a Uh, a trial round for three months to see what I thought. And from there, you know, decide, because I honestly didn't think I'd like a program. But I was just going to say, what was it that made you go, no? What didn't you like? I'm a socially awkward introvert. I didn't think I'd be very good at running a program. But then four years later, it's the strength because all the things that I don't like in other programs, I can learn and model and adjust and tweak for mine. Like for me personally, I don't like programs where you have to have your camera on. Sometimes I'm juggling kids and this and that. And Mm -hmm. I think we forget in the Zoom world, real life happens, but it's been better the last couple of years, you know, since COVID, but still. So on my calls, you don't have to have your camera on. I don't like the rush to the chat box. Like, oh my gosh, if I don't get my question in now, I'll miss out. Yes. So in my program, I extend the calls so that everybody gets a chance. And some people are slower processors, so they don't necessarily have the question on the outset and then they tend to miss out. And the louder voices are the ones that always get heard. So I do make a point of saying, you know, let's start with people we haven't heard from or if you haven't spoken up recently, like not to say the other people don't get a chance, but to let everybody speak up. And I also don't like oh, nothing, if not direct, sometimes the bragginess in, in programs. And then the other people who necessarily haven't had that level of success don't want to speak up. Yeah. So in my way, we start every call with celebrations, but I'm not talking big, massive like things like they're welcome too. but celebrating I'm here on the call today. I've got my camera on. I made this time for me. Because the little things become the big things. And I don't want the voices of people who've had big success to make other people think, well, what I'm celebrating isn't as valued here. Mm-hmm. You've really created a program that suits introverts, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I like that. Did you ever consider a membership as opposed to a program? It started as a membership. So oh. for the first two years, I ran it as a membership. And it was either month to month or annual. So you could sign up monthly or you could sign up annual. And... I actually moved away from that model for two reasons. The first is with the membership model, there's never really any celebration. When somebody wants to leave, when they finish up, they kind of give their notice or stop their payments and kind of like slink out the door, which because it's like this shame or there's this like, oh, you know, I want people to be celebrated. 
Like you don't have to stay here forever. That's like, you know, move on, reason, season, lifetime. Your season of this is over. But let's take a moment to celebrate you, the connections that you've made, the progress that you've made. When you're kind of slinking out, that doesn't happen. And the second thing with a membership is sometimes people would feel complete, like they had had enough in the space, but then they they felt bad about leaving. Like, what do I work with? People pleasers and overgivers. So they would stay too long. And what should have been a celebration, a graduation kind of became a divorce. <laughs> Um, because often those of us who struggle with boundaries uh, uh, struggle to finish up cleanly. So we'll wait until, you know, there's some blow up or something. So it was like, yeah, this this isn't serving the audience that I want to serve or myself in the way. So I transitioned it to a program that runs for 10 weeks. So at the end we can do celebrations and be really excited and then some people come back and some people don't, but then they have that choice and that agency also to a membership model doesn't really give you choice. It's it's deducted each month and then if you're beating yourself up going, oh, I really should go and action that, oh, I just mm-hmm. don't have thing. No, <laughs> that feels gross to me. Running a program, have you come across boundary issues or is that easier to manage in a program than like with one-to-one? Oh, that's initially, initially I could write a whole book on the boundary issues, but I'd have to say owning my place in them because as Brene Brown says, clear is kind. When you're not clear on your boundaries, how do you expect your clients to be? They can't, they can't appreciate and uphold what you don't communicate to them. So initially, when I moved from one-to-one solely into a program, a lot of my one-to-one clients, like I gifted each of them, each of those 17, the three-month beta, like that was a a gift to them. And then when I transitioned into a program, a lot of them were like, well, I'm paying this much for one-to-one. I could pay this much, which makes logical sense. Like I'm not having a go. I get it. Why would I keep paying this price? So for anyone listening who's looking at transitioning their business, one thing I'd really encourage you to consider is being really clear for you in the value proposition, in the difference of what they get between the one-to-one in the group, clearly communicating that to the clients and then upholding that boundary for yourself and for them. So like some of my clients, I do still work one-to-one, as I said at the moment, with up to five at a time. They often do my program because they get the most, the best value from the both. When they finish the one-to-one, I'm really clear. I have a, I have a call today actually with somebody finishing up and it's bittersweet. Like I'm happy and excited for them, but also, you know, but there will be that conversation about up until now, this is the level of support you've had moving forward. It's going to be this. And um, sometimes we can feel icky having that conversation but if we aren't clear and then they think oh can I still email or can I still voice message or can I still whatever you need to decide that ahead of time and clearly articulate to them and also remind them because sometimes people get excited or sometimes people are used to they've spent six or 12 months being able to, to message or contact you in this way and now they can't just the gentle loving reminder because you know we forget yeah that's true so what do you run your program on what kind of platform I run it on Facebook, which horrifies some people. Originally, I had Kartra, so like one of the membership portal Mm all-in-ones. What I found is people were forever losing their password. People didn't know how to use it. And like, I'm a nope coach. I'm not a tech coach. So (laughs) I got like, I was like, this is just too much for me to like spend my time here. And um, as much as people 
tend to downplay it and get up on it and everything. Everybody has a Facebook. They know how to use it. They know how it runs. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful software for running a program because when you have a group, you can put guides in, people can track what they've watched, what they haven't watched. And then for anyone who says, well, I get lost in the scroll, news feed eradicator, best extension you'll find ever. So if I log into my Facebook now, all I see is a quote of the day. I don't see a news feed. And everyone's like, how do you run your business on Facebook without being distracted? It's like, because I don't see a news feed. It's life-changing. Wow. I didn't even know there was such an extension. When you open it up, literally you just see a quote. So if you go into a group or you go to someone's profile, you'll see it, but you just don't see the news feed and the ads and all the distraction stuff. That must be such a time saver. And then also run it on Zoom. So the group coaching calls are on Zoom and um, people can come into the call or I stream it to the closed Facebook group so people can watch it again on the replay or just, you know, if they're wanting to watch on that rather than come in. Because sometimes introverts, it takes a while, it takes a few calls before you want to put yourself in that room. I get it. I understand what it's like to potentially open up something very vulnerable to people that you don't know yet. How many people do you tend to have in each cohort? Usually around 20. Yeah, this current cohort's 18. The one before was 22. So yeah, usually around 20. Was there a big learning curve when you went to set up your program? Initially, it's it's so funny because it kind of, creating a program is kind of like having a baby in that you kind of get it. You see other people do it. You're like, oh, okay, I, I, I understand the logistics. And then suddenly you have this baby that you have to feed and clothe and wash and there's so much mess and you're like, oh my goodness. So like the learning curve can be steep because how it's the little things if you're not like I'm not terribly tech phobe but I'm not amazingly tech savvy so how do I connect this to here how do I upload this how do I manage a group dynamic so the very first beat around I'd never run a group before so it was starting on the 1st of February I started enrolling in late December. The bonus was sign up, come in, get to know each other, kind of like hang out and connect in the group. And there was some like warm up questions and videos I put in there. I thought this was a great idea. It was a terrible idea because what happened was people who were a little bit anxious, like, you know, approaching your health, approaching things that, you know, are are difficult. And then there isn't a clear structure so basically what happened was some people didn't get along and I never I didn't foresee this and so I had my I had a refund request before we even started and I was like oh my goodness you haven't even seen the the thing yet so now as a result of that like my next cohort starts January people can sign up whenever they can sign up now they get an email welcoming them explaining how it's going to happen there's the link to join the group but I don't accept them all until we kick off. So the first thing, the group opens um, and everybody comes in together and then I do a Facebook Live explaining how the group works and how to interact with each other and everything. I set that clear boundary in that clear container because when you think about it, if you're in any way anxious and when you're investing in yourself, yeah, it's totally anxious. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a group of other people who are kind of anxious and, and you know, it can stir up these feelings. So now it starts with a very clear, this is how it works. This is what you're likely to be expecting to normalize that and to encourage that. And so people know what they can and can't post and can and can't share. That's a good idea. So do you have to set up a fresh group every time? I do. And the reason I do that personally, like I know, depending on what your business is and your model, it could be totally different. 
Uh, a lot of programs I'm in as a client, a participant, they have the replays of the past rounds as a bonus. And I know in terms of a business model, it's um it's great cred. Like you get this value. You can listen to past ones. You can establish yourself. I don't do that. And I'm deliberate in my decision because people are opening up about stuff that they may not have opened up anywhere else. I don't want my potentially somebody who knows me or or even if they don't know me, like I don't want people I don't know. It feels to me like some kind of weird voice. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> that yeah. people could be listening to my stuff outside of that container. So everything, it's a fresh Facebook group and everything that's shared within that group is kept within that mm-hmm. group. And then when that group closes, a fresh one opens. And sometimes there's often people who have been before. So there's a mix of, you know, returning people, new people and that. And the other reason I love that is, when I had it as a membership, when new people came in, it was kind of like, it reminded me of school, like yeah. the cliques are formed uh, and then you're the new kid, especially when you're socially awkward. It's like, oh, so now, cause we all start together and come in at the same time. People tend to get the feel after a little bit of who knows who and stuff, but it's not like that. It's welcoming. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Um, and we all have this fresh energy as a group. That's such a good idea. So did you have help setting up the program? I, I hired some tech help in terms of, so like when I had Kartra originally, I had no idea how to how to migrate my email list and how to do tags and all that. So I did hire, um, and it's also depending on where you are in your business. I was still you know, coming out of startup, sitting in the startup type phase. I didn't have a lot of funds to invest mm-hmm. in the ongoing support. So I tend to hire people on, I still do this now, contract. Yeah. can And they have a clear description, like this is what I want done, this migrated here, these videos uploaded, you know, how much will that be? Rather than an ongoing VA or an ongoing um, OBM or something like that. But now mostly I do most of it myself because I've done it so many times. So it's a copy paste in terms of the the structure and the format, but then the content is always fresh because I deliver. That's the only thing I choose to deliver it live every time. Right. I know some people pre-record their modules and that's totally fine. But to me, it feels like, I don't personally, like a dead energy. When I come in and I watch a video, I'm like, how old is that? Like they're blonde <laughs> there and they've got red hair now. And, and it's like, no, 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 let's, because I grow as a coach every round from both my coaching and my continuous development because I'm you know, a lifelong learner. So even though the content, you know, is technically the same, it grows. And also because I teach it live, the people are there who can ask questions or put the thing in, it gets shaped to the actual people in the program and not a, here's the prescription from Suzanne that's five years old and I don't resonate with anymore. Sure. <laughs> Did you have a large audience when you started your program? No, I didn't have a particularly large audience and I still don't. I don't believe in personally numbers and conversions and percentages like I see them as clients like when the people I work with they're like oh the numbers are down or the views are down Uh, I'm like hold up wait these are people when we start saying numbers and views and like how many do I need to get in order to convert and it's like you know you could have I think when I started my program my mailing list was 280, so it wasn't particularly large. And I had 50 <laughs> people sign up for my beta. Also, too, it was ridiculously cheap. It was 97 bucks. Like, I bet you anything with my mailing list now, which is around 1,000, if I said, hey, why wait, it's going to be 50 bucks, <laughs> I could get a, a, several hundred. So I think sometimes we get stuck in, as businesses as let's see how big we can get our lists. But the thing is, I've never really been interested in um, numbers because 
just because somebody's on your list doesn't mean they're opening your emails. Doesn't mean they care what you do. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point. So you don't need to worry about the size of your list. I guess they were pretty engaged though. I mean, I know you say it's um it was cheap, but also they were reading your emails, weren't they? Yes. Yes. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I run my business very differently. So like if someone else is listening to this and you're a business coach or whatever, you might be cringing inside going, don't listen to that woman. But I um I personally, I, and for people who aren't in business and you're listening along, like welcome, but when you have a list, you have to pay for that. And depending on how many subscribers you have, you pay more money, which makes sense because it's taking up more data or bandwidth or whatever. As I said, not a tech person. I don't want to pay for a whole bunch of people who aren't really interested and are just there for there. So basically, whenever I get, and I know that you're on my list, Victoria, so you'll see, when I'm getting close to capacity, I deliberately send a couple of pure sales emails, like really <laughs> d- drill down, why, wait, why, wait, wait, wait. So I get the unsubscribes of people who are really not interested, so I don't have to pay more. <laughs> That's a really good tactic. Does it drive sales as well? Do you get signups or do you just get rid of the dead Sometimes wood? Sometimes I do, but it's just more the, the dead wood and stuff because it's interesting. It's interesting the response too. People are like, oh, you're just trying to sell me something. And I was like, well, I'm in business. So yes, I, I do love giving value, but I also am trying to sell something. And I wonder, do you approach the supermarket and go, oh, you just email me about your bread on special? No. <laughs> so why is it okay to email me and stuff? So yeah, it's it's hilarious. And your newsletters are really entertaining as well. You do give loads of values. Yeah, you'll know. You ha- I haven't reached near a limit in a while, but I got a message yesterday saying I was at like 92% or oh, something. Oh. And I was like, I've got to keep an eye on that. So just watch, you'll see it. But yeah, no, I love I love my list. I love, and, and I'm not saying that people have to buy for me in any way, shape or form. I will pay more and I'm totally open to that but if there are people who just haven't got around to unsubscribing yet or are totally not interested in what I have to say then I'd prefer that they you know lovingly leave because one of my clients has on her list her mailing list is 87,000 people and I was like how much do you pay for that per month out of curiosity and when she told me I was like yeah no Because there's things that add to your cost. Yeah, they do, don't they? Definitely want it to be working for you. And with anything in business, like there's so many things that we buy because somebody's told us to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've done it for a few months and I've been like, you know, some things are amazing and they're so worth it. And like, oh, this is the best $20 or $50 a month I ever spend. And other times it's like, what is this doing for me? Like it's the cred. And it's like, but the thing is people outside the business world, I remember saying to my mum something about, I can't remember what it was once. And she's like, what even is that? And I was like, <laughs> it's only the cred in the right circles. Yeah. <laughs> it depends who you're talking to. How do people tend to find you and come join your program? It's word of mouth. So most people find me through somebody who's done the program, who's talked about it. I do do some online networking because I don't do a lot of in-person stuff. We were talking before I hit record. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, I really leave the house. Podcast guesting. I do a lot of that. It's funny, I always ask, so when you join my list, the very first question is, how did you find me? Because the referral was my greatest compliment. Not many people respond to that. I think they worried I'm going to try and sell them something. So if you listen to this, no, I'm actually honestly curious. Ask two questions. One is, how did you find me? And two is, you know, what are you wanting to learn from this space? I think once again, some people are like, oh, she's going to try and sell me something. But I actually respond to each of those emails personally and I send a resource or a podcast guest or something that I've written if I can or if I don't have anything, I take that as fodder and I make something. So...
it's a lot of people respond, I don't know, you just kind of appeared, which makes me laugh because I was like, I was saying this to my husband. I was like, oh, people say I just kind of appeared. So I'm like, I'm like Hagrid because we're big Harry Potter fans in okay. the house. And he's like, oh, you really hairy? I was like, no. <laughs> he's like, you curse little bad kids with pig's tails? I was like, no, but that's a great idea. And he's like, well, how are you like Hagrid? And I was like, I tell people they're a wizard. And he's like, I don't get it. I must be a muggle. <laughs> That's really good. If someone is thinking about starting a program, would you have like one piece of advice for them? I honestly would say start as you mean to continue. So I wouldn't do the beta. There's some things that in the time you think, oh, this is a good idea, but really super discounting like that isn't a great idea because you tend to attract people who buy it because it's a no brainer, not because they're actually wanting to do the program. So you might do some of a discount because you know, you, you're not yet confident or whatever, but I wouldn't discount it as much as I did. I think that was a a red flag for, for me. And the other thing is if you're going to continue with your one-to-one clients, like, and I think that's a great idea, protect, protect the income you have coming in. Because sometimes I see people, it's like when people go into business and quit their job, but they haven't established their business yet. And then they, you know, if you don't have a huge buffer, protecting the income you have coming in is a wonderful idea, but be really, really clear. This is what the group is and hold that boundary. And this is what the one-to-one is so that you don't then continue. Because this is what I did. I continued to do voice messaging. I continue to do email messaging. That is on me. That is not on the client. But then doing that plus holding the group, plus also too, it hamstrings your income. Because if they're paying you this much for one-to-one and then down, like my membership was 97 a month, I was getting like a fifth of the income do still doing as much as the work plus adding the group on top it was like yeah this this is I'm very fortunate like I will own the privilege here is that I have a husband and he has good income so although it was annoying I wasn't relying on that but if you're relying on this income and then suddenly you do that and you have such a big drop it can be really problematic oh that's great advice thank you where should listeners go to connect with you to my website there is my website's fabulous i've recently had it redone i absolutely love it there is so many podcasts that i've guested on so all topics about boundaries saying no overgiving overconsuming you can you can get lost in hours of stuff there you can sign up for my newsletter don't worry you don't have to buy anything <laughs> but um <laughs> if you get annoyed by my sales emails because you know people are in business and that is part of the thing that we do but i tend to email once a week about anything and sundry so I just, I love writing to my list. You can write back to me. I will reply. I just, my audience, you guys shape my business and I follow along with the responses and stuff. So it really isn't a gross underhanded sales tactic. When I'm selling something, I'm very clear about it. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's been really fun (laughs) talking to you again. Thank you for having me again, Victoria. It's been fabulous. Visit www.victoriabenyon.com to book a free podcast guesting strategy session with one of our team. Using the information you provide when you book, we'll get to know you and your business better so you get the most value from your strategy call. You will come away from this 30-minute session with huge value. We'll share our top tips for being a podcast guest and up to five suggestions of perfect fit podcasts you can approach. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.